Yeah. Live from New Jersey right now. It's your man's the guard state gargoyle of elaborate literature, fat boy Sharif. And this is the Fly Fidelity podcast invasion. Shout out to my bro, my brethren, Luke Bailey. Tune in. First, First I say, what we're going to do. Then you say, I don't know. What do you want to do? What we're going to do, what you want to do. I have an idea. You're going to dig this. The Fly Fidelity Podcast is, is the solution. It's the best. Check it out. You want to get super fly, fly. Details just ahead. Do you love credible content, but, but, but hate how long you have to wait? And who wants super thick and frothy dumpster juice with rat corpses in it? There's a better way. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly Fidelity. Fly. Fly. Fly Fidelity. Fidelity. Fly Fidelity Podcast. Fly Fidelity, baby. Fidelity, baby. Fidelity. With your host, Luke Bailey. going on and welcome to another episode of fly fidelity featuring a conversation with new jersey's fat boy sharif on this episode we discuss the incredible long sword helmed cyber city society we also talk to producer slash recording engineer wavy bagels about his contribution mixing a project and so much more enjoy the conversation Okay, we're going to begin our interviews today with Sharif. How many of you been in this class from circumstance? Would you have to see your way? Yes. This is Valentine's Day, 21 years ago. Okay, and is there anything in particular you would like to say? What would I like to say? There's so much I want to say to you. Just about anything that would be of any significance to you. Wow, it's already on heaven's gift. This is kind of... I want to say it's kind of silly. I, I would really strongly recommend you to find Heaven's Gate, the book, the website. I wanted to start by giving thanks for another quality body of work that really pushes boundaries and exists completely in its own unique creative space, Cyber City Society. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Shout out to everybody who definitely been showing that love and support. Me and my brother, producer Longsword, definitely put a lot into that. So shout out to everybody who's showing love and supporting that. It's, it was an amazing time putting it together, and it's a amazing project and i'm glad i'm glad you're feeling it you you always show love from the beginning you feel me so anytime my brother luke is feeling something i know it's i know it's where it needs to be you feel me yeah i appreciate that man i appreciate that well we're going to talk about the project of course in this episode but for anybody not familiar with your story i wondered if we could go back to the beginning and discuss your come up in discography up until this latest project hell yeah that's that's always that's always some of the most fun to do once you once you get kind of your project start rolling and you kind of get everything going. It's always good to sit back and reflect because I always say, like, the past is what makes the future. Exactly. Exactly. And you've had an amazing yeah, past. You've had an amazing come up. It starts with you being a poet, of course, and takes us to this point we're at right now, Cyber City. Where, where does it start for yourself? I say probably around six or seven years old, I would say, because coming up, I grew up in a real family household, and not 
family household, like, musicianship, but more of just, like, my uncle, my grandfather, my grandmother, my mother. Every type of different music was coming through my household at one time, and it all kind of affected me in different ways. So my uncle, he'll be big into, like, the Curtis Mayfields and the Luther Vandross, Ozzy Brothers, Prince type of vibe. So I kind of soaked that up from him and kind of got influenced by that. My grandmother, she'll be more into the Supremes, Tina Turner type vibe. I kind of took that in and put that into myself. And then my parents, the early 80s, early 90s hip-hop, Run DMC, Slick Rick, Poor Actors Teachers, EPMD, Child Call Quest. And it kind of led me into that aspect because I would say around probably six or seven, I was into poetry heavy. So I was huge into that. I used to win all types of different poetry contests and stuff. And around eight or nine, I started writing actual raps for the first time when I was probably third or fourth grade, something like that. And the influences at that point was kind of, I kind of took my personal, my own personal influences at that point. So, obviously, the stuff that they put me onto, I loved, but around that time, I was big into, like, grunge rock, heavy metal, and stuff like that. So, I kind of fell in love with just, like, the writing style of that, the videos and all of that, and I kind of wanted to be like, okay, I think I can do that. Like, I think I can, I think I can have just as much power and energy in my words, but do a different genre with it. Like, I might not do rock music, but I'm like, I love hip-hop music, too. I want to bring the same vibe and energy that I feel from this genre to this genre. And through years and years of just working at it and crafting it, 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 it grew into what you hear today. And it's still growing and elevating it to different styles and different formats. So it's it, it been, uh, it been a true creative love story with me from the beginning. <laughs> Script spouse been one night with whale ice pick head leader of vices deranged lovers exchange brothers explode covers rod hoverboards with a face covered repentance of God descendants from tribes subway hijacking killing the five full tap for weeks in my resident peak president speech veiling the weatherman's chief meddling treat elemental federal creeps headed from sleep elephants red in Sea settled at least thousands found spreading on trees, cornfields tower Jupiter, surveilling police, <laughs> space drones, breath control, eight crates long, liquid napalm, inhale to face gone, lead spun, devilish rear fronts, severe drums, uphill, crater away breadcrumbs. That love story doesn't stop at just music. We're talking about visuals, we're talking about comics, we're talking about reading as well as music, yeah. aren't we? Talk about that influence outside of hip-hop and grunge that people might not be as versed on. Well, besides that, I was, I'm was i a huge movie guy. So yep. coming up, a lot of different horror flicks, a lot of different sci-fi flicks, and even like you said, comic books definitely was a key point of just how I thought, how I saw creativity and kind of just like, I'll give an example. I'm not sure if you got a chance to see the new uh, David Cronenberg movie at the Crowds of the Future joint. Not yet, man. Dying to see it. Okay, yeah, yeah. I saw it yesterday. Amazing flick. 
and I'm sitting in the theater and I'm watching it and I'm like, yo, this gave me the feeling that I had like as a kid. Cause it's literally me as a creative watching another another creative push the boundaries of creativity. And I'm like, yo, that's so ill that you can literally I'm looking at it like this idea came from his mind and he put it on a big screen. And it just it made me smile because I was like, okay, this new this new music that I'm about to work on, I gotta, I gotta push the boundaries of that. I gotta bring it somewhere else that people might have not got a chance to hear or see yet, whether it's sonically, lyrically, it, everything, just all across the board. Like, and that's kind of it reminded me, like I said, as a kid, I was the same way. I would watch something like maybe the spawn uh cartoon or read a certain Batman comic book or watch a certain horror flick from Cronenberg, Wes Craven, whoever. And I'm like, damn. This hour and a half of a world they created, you could really watch and get lost in, and people can debate it forever, get different messages from it forever, different meanings from it forever. I'm like, that's exactly what I want to do with my right. <laughs> Which is what you're doing and what you've done in the past. All of this influence we're talking about, this is all lending itself to this universe you're creating with all of these projects you go on to create. And it starts with your debut, doesn't it? It starts with Ape Twin. Before that, you're in a group. Talk about the group before you transition to becoming a solo artist with Ape Twin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to my bro, Soundtrack Imperial. Age of Extinction. That was... I was I want to say about 2015 we started doing that and shout out to the whole New Jersey hip hop scene cuz I'll definitely say like especially coming into my own as an artist that was a huge 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 influence on me too from genius like the Blue Room Lounge and Sea Caucus um Sea Gallery in North and countless other just Jersey underground venues that definitely kind of shaped and molded my style and just gave me an outlet at that point. And me and my bro Sidetrack, we connected at, shout out to my bro A Sharp, he used to throw this uh, event, the A-List, at the Blue Room Lounge. And we got in the cypher there. With, it was me and him and me and my crew at the time. Shout out to Strange Colors. And we kind of we both we both killed it in the cipher. We connected. We was like, "Yo, I think your style is dope, bro. Let's connect on some music." And we got together, made a few joints, and we made the Age of Extinction duo. And even back then, like I always thought, songs and projects should have a deeper meaning than just like the li literal listening aspect of it. Like, all right, I'm hearing it. I think it's dope, but what am I getting from it? Like. What different stories could I tell in it? And at that particular time, that story was literally like we thought hip-hop was going in the age of extinction. So we kind of formatted the project around that. And when we dropped it, it was a huge success. People celebrated it, and people still show love to this day. So that was definitely huge for me. And then that transitioned into the, the Ape Twin project, which came, I would say, probably... Two or three years later, 2017, early 2018, and it was kind of the same thing. I'm like, okay, me separating from the duo thing and doing the solo thing, I kind of want to have the same free expression of creativity, the same free expression of 
thought, the same free expression of you never know what you're going to hear next. And it kind of just been elevating, elevating project to project, so on and so on from that point on. The Scorpion King, final lord of the ring Dawn whispering, birds swarm in a swing The sky crab has 80, drone grazing Tragic past 80, brick city crack baby Home in heart Hebrew, decade, sees again Special need dictator, past life, sexual deviant The clan surgeon, still land, tan serpent Cannibal holocaust, the band version The cold king odyssey, sling king Socrates Last scene of the Morphman prophecy Mama plant Scope from the balcony, Bible title. Andrew for sodomy, serial killer colony. Ghostland modeling, mummy hole fondling. Sharon Tate hollering, SWAT team modeling. Gia grieve infection, Kurt depression 2016, president election. Cloud Atlas was a classic. Can you talk about that track for a second? Thank you, bro. Thank you. Yeah, that's 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 one of my favorites. I have I, I think I'm gonna bring it back in the show set this year. Oh, I dope. haven't performed that in a minute, <laughs> but that was that was one I definitely was rocking out for like a good year, a good year and a half. That it always people always listen to it and always recited it and loved it. I'm gonna give you a little jewel on it that I don't know if you peeped. If you peeped the way I'm smitten and the kind of like the format of the verses. It's literally just my version of broken language. I don't know if you peeped oh, that. Oh shit, I didn't. But it makes <laughs> sense now. That makes sense. Yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Like I am the Scorpion King, the final lord of the ring. Dawn whispering birds swarm in the swing, the skycraft past Haiti, drone grazing past Haiti, the brick city. Like, yeah, yeah. That video was real dope to shoot too. That whole time period definitely like was one of my funnest time periods as an artist. Like, it's kind of like we were saying earlier where you had a particular spot and you like, yo, without these, without these two or three incidents and situations for a, a few years ago, I always remember this. This will always be special to me. So whenever I hear that song and the Ape Foot Project in particular, it always just, it always just keep me, keep me elevated and keep me inspired for sure. Well, Fast forward, and you keep elevating your craft, and you drop, of course, Gandhi Loves Children. Talk about that and that period you create that in. If we're talking about time periods, interesting time periods, talk about an overwhelming time for the entire world. What was happening when you created that? How does that come about? Yeah, that was another... That was another... Uh, deep, <laughs> that was another deep uh, situation where I would say... To make that make a little more sense, I'll kind of go back to how me and Roper first met. I'd say about 20, probably 2014. I want to say around maybe a year before I started doing Age of Extinction. I used to do this college radio show, uh, Strangers with Hip Hop, with my bro 89 of Brainchild. And we started the show back up again recently, Strangers Live. So shout out to my man 89. DJ Bugavelli, DJ Koha, Newtown Radio every other Saturday. That joint is crazy, but Dope. we used to do these on-air ciphers on the original show. And my boy DJ Bugavelli, we was working at the same spot at the time. So that's how we like met each other. And he told me, he like, yo, 
uh, you got the ciphers coming up this week, right? I'm like, yeah, he like, I got a group from my area. They want to come up and rap. And I'm like, okay, are they dope? He's like, yeah. So I'm like, all right, tell them come. So the group comes up. Roper happens to be there. So it happens to be a group that he's producing for at the time. So that particular night, they come killing in the cypher. And kind of like me and Roper just hit it off off the gate. Just with kind of like similar same, similar to, uh, sense of humor, same influences music-wise, and just like, just overall, just like bugging out, having fun. And he started inviting me to their studio sessions. And I would hear a lot of the music, and I'm like, yo, these joints is dope. But his production always just stuck with me more than anything. I'm like, yo, mm. this is like a different sound I'm hearing right now. This, like, you got some special, you, like, you got some special sauce with these beats, bro. Like, <laughs> and vice versa, he was put on to my music. He was a fan of my music. So we said, like, yo, we got to link up. Let's do some music together. And it's crazy because the final Gandhi Loves Children version that all of the world heard from 2020, that was literally, I would say, probably about three or four years in the making. Because it would be like we would link up, maybe get one or two songs done, and then we kind of just might fall out of touch for a minute. His career going his way, my career going my way, and it's kind of like we might not see each other maybe three or four months, but when we see each other again, it's, oh, yo, the other two joints was dope. Let's do some more. So we might link up, do one or two more joints. Maybe not see each other for a year. And then I would say probably the third time we got back together and linked up, we was just like, yo, let's really sit down and log in and really <laughs> knock this project out. Mm-hmm. And that was that was one of the best things that we both really decided to do because going into it and what I think the album, like what people got from the album and what I loved about it is we definitely set out to make nothing that was... We wanted to make a project that didn't sound like nothing else at the time. Right. And, and like you even said, all of the craziness in the world, we wanted it to be one of those time capsule albums where you can hear something like uh, It Takes a Nation of Millions and you're like, okay... I can literally hear the crack epidemic in these beats. I can hear everything that was going on with people coming back and remnants from the war and the Reagan era in these beats. And we definitely wanted to, when you hear a track like Tragic, uh, uh, the jack o Sculpture, Nuclear Warfare, where you could be like, okay, I can hear the craziness that was going on in the world with COVID and the paranoia at this time. The, the the greediness from companies that was trying to milk people out of their home and they live in situations just so they can make more money. And it definitely it definitely embodied and symbolized everything that was going on at the time, like for sure. Check this out. I'm ashy, I'm creepy, stashed underneath me. A Latin believes me, stocking cat with a genie. Alaskan by train, Kanye on a tirade. For five days, my sex slaves were suicide saved. Oh, I'm bugging? 
portrait was Thorson. Overseas view torment. Saw breasts of Lauren. Maybelline who saw them. Best queen in fortune. Prom dress of four and don't hate me. I'm gorgeous. Really talk to that meaning for anybody that doesn't know what does what is the science behind Gandhi loves children? What does that mean to you? Well, literally, it's kind of just like when I say it and I hear it, it's kind of like kind of like a spotlight on the world at the time, where we swayed and we kind of disguised by the camera that they holding up, like okay. We supposed to celebrate this. This is this is considered a good thing, but it has flaws in it. It has it has different it, it has different elements in it that we might not all want to embrace if we all knew about it. And mm. I think that's how the world's been for a minute. And mm. you take a figure like Gandhi, celebrated, everybody loves him, but he had different elements of him that. Certain people, when you when his name comes up, some people be like, "Fuck him, I can't stand him," and then other people be like, "He's an amazing person. He's an amazing figure." Mm. So we kind of just wanted to, with that title, we kind of just wanted to give you something that you might not know how to feel about it. And it's funny because every other, especially when it first came out, every other week somebody else would come to me, explain it to me the title, like, "Okay, I heard this song. I get it now." And I never would tell nobody if they was right or wrong. I'm just like, it's all it's all in how you so hear it. How you Yeah, it's all in how you hear it and how you feel it. So right. but that's what yeah, that's what we was going for with it for sure. That's the beautiful thing about the work you make. Everybody's interpretation of what they hear isn't necessarily wrong. This is why you make it. It's to build worlds. And I think this is something you've been doing for the longest time, most recently uh, with this new album. How do you link with Longsword for Cyber City Society? Oh, yeah. Shout out to the bro, Longsword, Taze Grip, Brooklyn, NY all day. It's crazy, the pandemic, because... Shout out to my bro Pootie. He's on Gandhi Love Children White Noise. He had a song with Long Sword. And I heard him one and I'm like, yo, dude is dope. Who the hell is that? Like, mm-hmm. he like, oh, that's my bro Lungs, Long Sword. So I just reached out to him, like, yo, I heard you. You got some dope, uh, some dope production, some dope rhymes. Let's connect. And we connected. I would say I want to say that August of the beginning of the pandemic, because I would say it kicked off out here around March. So that late July, early August, we linked up and we did one joint, and I got three beats from him that day. And for some reason, the beats just hit me, like because I remember I left him and I just walked around the city for like three hours, just listening to the beats, like. And I hit him back like, yo, we could definitely put this together. Like, like I told him, I was like, I'm going to write a whole thing surrounding these beats. Like, because the beats had me feeling very, like, uh, cyber New Yorkish, real Blade Runner-ish. Mm. Like, mm. kind of like, and it kind of went with definitely how New York was feeling and looking at the moment where the subways wasn't running that night. Everybody's masked up. Everybody, it, it looked like a desert land, so... I want to thank him just for those. That production helped me definitely tell that story similar to Gandhi where I'm like, okay, this is kind of like the, the flip side of Gandhi. How I see the world today and what's going on. 
been aborting him. Half train back to the promised land at 4 a.m. Rework mad statements or her translation as the prophecy crawl. Saints wrestle on fate. Outline planet X detailed in the parches. I'm seeing sky height defense. Words mark the children as a godlike being. Diagnosed coach split with a high focus. Lab tested allergic cockroaches. Planet discussion. My patch from the function. Outcasted arrival. The gunman. Static frame. Chapters change. Bullet plastic brain runs with the acid rain. At three years old, bliss journey, sky dark, freezing cold. Sarcotic heart plays with season goals. I would say, out of the first three that I got, the acid ran is the only one we ended up using. Okay. Out of yeah, out of those, out of that first three that he showed me, because it was that one, and then after that we made everything else in house. So like I would go to his crib, and the 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 creation process for it was dope, because it would be literally he would make some beats. I'll come through. I'll come with some Popeyes chicken or something like that, some Chinese food, and we'll just sit, we'll just sit there vibe out. And he'll always have like the older black and white sci-fi movies on repeat, so we'll he'll watch that, make something, and I'll just listen to it. Sometimes I might write right there, and sometimes I might take it home and just yo, let me sit with it for a minute, like, cause I gotta create like my whole process with taking in beats is, I like to kind of take it into the spirit. So I might most of the time with a beat, I'll take it home and I might even. I'll listen to it maybe for like a month and I'll just have dreams about it. I might hear it and see different shapes and colors in the beat that I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta write these words to get this expression out mm. off of how I hear this, this landscape, this soundscape of the music. And it kind of clicked with that. Like, if Gandhi Loves Children is an album that encourages the listener to communicate with the past, I feel like Cyber City represents an intersection of imagination, technology, liberation, and the future. Hell yeah, that's a beautiful description of it. I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> how much is rooted in fiction and how much is rooted in non-fiction? Where for you does what's true end and what's exaggerated for you begin? To me, I kind of think it varies. Because, like, for example, if you take a track like Plaster off of Cyber City, right? the beat, when I first heard it, I was like, okay, this is real dreamy-like, like I said, kind of like Blade Runner, sci-fi-ish. So to me, the landscape of it, you might can look at it as out-of-worldly or its own thing. But if you literally just analyze what I'm talking about, the song is literally just about the paranoia of drug addiction. And that's one thing I've dealt with from not me personally, but personally as in uh, parents who had substance abuse problems for a minute. Right. Even uh, out here in New Jersey, different parts of New Jersey and different friends I had in the past that dealt with substance abuse and narcotic abuse and all of that type of stuff. 
and I kind of the one to get. I wanted kind of wanted to get him a voice and just kind of put down how I felt about that particular situation. Like, like I'm like if I was able to go into a drug meeting or something and I can speak, what do I? How do I feel about that? What would I say? And that's kind of what came out. Nice, nice. So you're becoming a voice for the voiceless in sorts, I guess. Yeah, a lot of times that's that's another big thing I try to put through when I'm writing some things because I'm like, okay, we all have opinions and different uh, vibes and different things we want to express. But sometimes I'm like, all right, I feel upset today. I'm feeling the the I'm feeling I'm feeling beat down. I'm feeling like no one no one knows what I'm going through. Mm, mm. Maybe I can. Maybe I could reach this person on. Maybe I could reach this person who think nobody is there for them. Type of thing. Well, speaking of conversations and reaching people, you've likened your writing process to having a conversation. You've compared it to the concept of having a conversation and talking. Knowing that a lot of this project would have been written at the height of COVID, how much? I was wondering how much you normally write in isolation versus how much you write lyrics at the studio around people. Hmm. Funny thing is, I'm not really a studio writer at all. <laughs> like, I would say it's kind of in a situation where I'm in a studio, maybe, and I'm doing maybe like a feature for somebody, or if we just up in the studio and somebody throw on a dope beat, I'm in the studio with one of one or two of my people that's artists that's dope. I won't kill a vibe and I won't kill the creativity. Like, no, I'm gonna take this home and write next week, but. Besides those particular situations, I much rather, like I said, take a beat, sit on it for a few weeks, and really give the vo- give the beat a voice in a picture, and then put the words really inside of it. Like that's what I that's that's my process that I like to do. Got it. And even even a lot of times, I'll just like to write in isolation. So I'll make a schedule. Like okay, today Saturday. If I'm saying right now, Monday, I'm going to write, I'll make sure I'll get up seven in the morning and I'll write four to five hours. I might take a lunch break, 20 minutes, come back, write another five or six hours. Because I usually like to do like maybe 12 hours of writing a day in different aspects. Uh, 12 hours every two to three days when I'm just literally going through beats. Or sometimes I just might write down thought ideas and words and different song titles right. and go go through beats and kind of connect it to that and then write the song around that. And you're talking about a matter of weeks before the actual beat starts talking to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. I like to listen to beats until I can hear them in like at least three or four different ways. Okay, So interesting. Yeah, I might, yeah, like I'll have a beat in the, like for example... Off Cyber City, the Acid Rain beat. I had that was one of the first ones I got that we actually used, and I remember listening to. I listened to it. I want to say probably like two months, and I just would sleep to it like eight hours a night on repeat. And once I started hearing it, and when I could literally just see things around me, I was like, okay, the song is pretty much written. Mm-hmm. I just got to kind of get the words around it. They kind of make it all connect and make sense. 
I always look at it like me listening to beats when I was sleeping. It's kind of like the right to me. The final writing process is literally just a message that God gave me that I'm giving for the whole world to see what I see. So like, you're a vessel. Yeah, me, me and God discuss something privately, and I'm like, okay, when I write it down, I'm gonna definitely, I'm gonna definitely let the world in on the secret. But it just gotta come at the right time. You talked about sleep triggering the foundations for a lot of these tracks and the subject matter on them. How essential do you think a deep night's sleep is for mining your dreams when you're writing ideas? Oh, yeah, no, nah, it's very important. And it's crazy because a lot of my favorite stuff that I end up writing is literally in the middle of the night. So I might lay down maybe like 10 and I might just jump up 3.30 in the morning and have a whole... 25 bar verse or a lot of times it's right when I wake up so I might wake up 8 in the morning have a whole 16 bar verse but it connects with the 24 bar perfectly when I look back at it or it might just be stuff that I'm like okay this is dope but I just gotta find a home for it so it kind of varies on that particular end from the dream but the dream the picture in the dream might kind of be it might kind of be a scattered picture or scattered fragments in the dream so f- for example I might uh, I'll dream about a beat and let's say if the picture of the dream is me being inside of a classroom I'm in a classroom with 17 kids but literally all of the kids faces is blurred out I can see I can see the frame of the face, but you really can't see like the nose, eyes, and mouth because there's nothing there, literally. And let's say it's a mist, it's a it's a green mist in the classroom that you can feel it, you can smell it, like it's kind of there. I look to the left side of the classroom; it's an orange horse in the corner, just in the corner, just chilling randomly, <laughs> randomly time. So to me, it, and it's funny because that was literally one of my dreams before. So literally with a dream like that, I'm like, okay, this beat, this this world, this canvas is, is making me see this in my head. Yeah. Once I'm able to just once I'm able to describe this picture in full detail, whether it's the shape of the the shape of the classroom, the the order of the classroom, the temperature of the classroom, once I'm able to break that all down in detail, the song will be written. If that makes any sense. <laughs> Did you have any nightmares creating this project? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And kind of like, I would say, one of the nightmares, kind of like the classroom was a dream. The orange horse and all of that. Right. (laughs) One of the nightmares, 
one of the nightmares was for some reason I had a dream I was drown, drowning in like eight in, eight eight feet of mud for some reason. I was drowning in eight feet of mud, but it was in like a tunnel. So, and the tunnel was pitch black, the mud, <laughs> like milkshake brown, and I'm drowning in it. I can see rain from the edge of the tunnel, like little droplets of rain. And when I woke up from that, I was like, okay, this story has got to be more intense. This story is going to be more unsettling for the listener. But it's still going to be like something real that I was going through at the moment. So how do you how do you approach a track with that in mind? To knowing that you've had this traumatic nightmare, how do you then put the pen to paper and start channeling these thoughts and visions in your dream? Is that challenging? Uh, not really, because I kind of been doing that te- that particular technique for so long. Right, it kind of comes like second nature at this point. So sometimes I might just start at Z and work my way backwards. So, for example, uh, let's say sometimes I might just uh, uh, maybe like a quote from somebody or just like a thought or idea or sometimes just fragmented words. And from that point, I'm like, OK, I have my beginning. Now I got to now let me put the body in the end of it. So, for example, if I'm just like, um, uh, let me think, let me think, let me think, let me think. Uh, okay, if I'm like the police, the police task force asking me what happened in the raid this month. We last night we seen Tupac running through Cuba with a laser gun. So I might just write that as like just, uh, just an opening bar. And from that, I'm like, okay, now let me get into the dream. And it kind of connects like that. <laughs> that's a bar, by the way. That's that's an incredible bar. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, about to, I'm definitely using that shit. I'm going to see it. Y'all got the exclusive. <laughs> got, the, got the exclusive four bar open. I'm using that on site. There it is, man. You've talked about the way your music speaks to your audience. You've talked about how the beat speaks to you. You've talked about how your dreams speak to yourself making this music. What kind of conversations are you having with Lone Sword crafting this project as a way to immerse yourself in this universe you both collectively create? Uh, it's kind of just literally a lot of what's going on now. Because right now, I would say stuff is so dire and certain situations are so crazy that if you don't speak about it, you'll go crazy. You'll go mm. mad. Like So a, a, lot of, a lot of... A lot of the Cyber City concepts was just literally us just talking and having similar opinions on stuff. Mm. And even like in my favorite song on the particular project, like a drink, like Adolescence, like the acapella song. Right. That literally came from just it started as a um just a regular poem I had wrote like in my phone. Like the first four bars of it. And I just put it away. And afterwards, I'm just like, yo, that's dope. Like, I want to do something with it, but I don't know what yet. That's all I kept saying to myself. Like, I'm like, I want to do something with this, but I'm not exactly sure what. So when it came down to it and I went back to it, I was like, I want to use this on Cyber City somewhere. So I just went to Lone Sword. I'm like, yo, I got this acapella that I started 
I was like, I want to end the album with an acapella rhyme. I was like, I was like, I just want to do a, a I want to end it with a dope four or five minute acapella. I was like, I don't even want you to put a beat on it. Yeah. I just kind of just want you to, I just want you to make it sound like the city. I was like, I wanted, I was like, I wanted it to sound like I'm standing on top of a building and I'm like the last man on earth. So just give me like certain city sounds, like maybe a car I ran. And he was like, okay, I got you. Like, and that's the dope thing about Lone Sword. Like, no ideas ever off the table. Like, no matter how crazy or weird you might think, he trusted me with that. And when we heard the final product, he was like, yo, this shit is amazing. <laughs> like, it's crazy. It's crazy. And it's a track that does speak to the space on this EP. There's a lot of space on this EP where after the first track, there's no drums on any of the songs. You do a great job of turning these loops into universes on this project. Thank you. Thank you. Like water for chocolate. Acid of the ratchet, how you wanna trip? How you wanna trip? This the doomsday conglomerate. Playing war games like Matthew Broderick. Even in heaven, can't avoid the beast. No drums, only had noise for beats. In Cyber City with Fat Boy Sharif. Feeding rat poison to Android police. I told my witch, get the broom. The block flooded with decrepit fumes. I've been a legend bending spoons. Psilocybin in my blood like I injected shrooms. Watching Salvador Dali get exhumed. Might have to start shooting rappers like Benny Boom. Blacked out in the 237th room. I seen the demon lynched from the crescent moon. Wasteland towing, decayed soul of sauna drip. Moving all spray, poison the orphanage. Pillage death, no clone projector. Overlord infector, purple projector, I won't collector. Killed at the carry out, laid in my granny speech, family tree. Panther leaves, soul on ice. Movement triple X fantasy The raging descent Can you keep a secret? Helicopter rescue brown water from fountain Mass joy surveillance What the tragic outcome What's the story in the genesis behind a track like Crescent Moon Which is one of the several joints on this album with multiple meanings? I would say that was one of the later songs that we did, funny thing. Because I remember Lone Swore showed me that beat, and I'm just like, yo. When I first heard it, it reminded me of... Uh, when I first heard it, I remember I seen the colors orange and yellow in it. And I'm like, yo, it sounds like literally like a moon harvest. Like some like some children of the corn type shit. Dope. Like, that was, kind of, that was kind of like the vibe I got from it. So I kind of wrote it from that aspect. And after that, we reached out to my bro Scatterbrain, came through with an amazing verse and killed it. And after it was done, I gave it the Lone Sword and he was just like, yo, I'm going to do my producer thing on it now. So you see that outro where we got the different sirens and the different uh, ambulance and then the different like little movie samples we put at the end of it. We kind of wanted that, to, and especially because that's like one of the last songs in the project. 
Right. We definitely wanted that to kind of be like the apex. Like when you hear it, it's like, oh, like <laughs> I, 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 I think I think I finally get the story here. And that's definitely a favorite from the people. So shout out to everybody. That's one of my favorite joints on a project for sure. Shout out to Scatterbrain. Whose idea was it to use the Heaven's Gate sample on Monsters Fiend, Planet Earth About to Be Recycled? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was something I bought to Lone Sword. And I kind of hear, I kind of get the whole project around that, to tell you the truth. Oh, really? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even it's different little other stuff from like the intro on Acid Rain and a few other things like where the particular Heaven's Gate story was always like super interesting to me. And let's let's b- backing up. Let's talk about that story for anybody who doesn't know. We're talking about, like you say, the cult Heaven's Gate. The name of the video, Planet Earth About to Be Recycled, which is sampled on a track Monsters Theme. What what's the story behind this cult we're talking about for context? Well, it was a cult that started, I was 70s, 80s, California, and they started off small <laughs> and they they ended now, I don't want to say they took over the world, but by the end of their run, which was I would say late 90s from the mass suicide situation that they had, they had a huge, huge, huge following. And that story always kind of was interesting to me. So I always said to myself, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something regarding that particular story or aspect of the th- story that I thought was interesting. And to me, Cyber City was the perfect place for that. <laughs> it's also your second feature with Lifelong since Gandhi Loves Children. What is it about Lifelong style that works for you? Oh, oh that's that's bro right there. He's he's definitely, besides being a, 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 a legend, he's definitely somebody that I hear similar to Scatterbrain, Lone Sword, Rope Williams, where mm. he doesn't, he, he, what, he does, what he does doesn't sound like nobody else. And I'm always, I always love to show love and attracted to MCs and artists that's like that. Like when you hear Lifelong on a song, you're like, yo, there's only one Lifelong. Like, and definitely stay tuned because we got some more stuff coming. I'm gonna oh, send yeah. you something. I'm gonna send you something real soon. That's what. That's that's all I. That's all I can give to people for now. But we got we got we we got a dope body of of work coming. That's gonna be crazy. Dope. Dope. What about the track Encrypted? What can you tell me about writing and recording that one? That was another, that's probably my second favorite one. Next, <laughs> next to Adolescence. And that's, that was definitely, I would say with that, the beat kind of geared, the beat and the mood kind of geared how I wrote to that. So when I heard the beat, for some reason, it reminded me of just being in like a auditorium with a bunch of robots sitting in chairs. It was another song that gave me like a city vibe. Yeah. So I remember I sat, I sat with that and just rolled up and down from Brooklyn to Manhattan for like two or three hours, up and down, up and down, up and down, and just studying the city, studying the beat. And that particular one is kind of just like a lot of loose thought that I kind of wanted to connect with the encrypted part at the end. So I, that's the song that I literally wrote in sections. That wasn't like the straight up and down song. That was a two bar here, two bars the next day, three bars the next day, a word here type thing. Like 
that was kind of spread out probably like over two weeks of writing it. These vocals, they're very different from track to track. There's a lot of manipulations and processing on it. What's the process when you're asking Wavy Bagel to add reverb to your vocals? And can you speak to more of that detail and this grit we're talking about, this reverb? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. See, I'm always, I'm, I'm always, the, I was always the person that thought your, your voice on your song is your most powerful tool. So, even to this day, I'm somebody that I record maybe three, I'll record a man and probably do three or four ad-lib, ad-lib tracks. But the ad-lib tracks is definitely, I'm using different voice tones and different, right. <laughs> different word manipulation on each one. And from that, I kind of want to, I always love when the engineer can kind of make that its own thing in itself. Like, I always think projects should have numerous listens. So sometimes you'll go in it, all right, I'm going to listen, kind of like how I listen to projects. Like, I might listen to, okay, the the album is dope. So, oh, it's a dope album. All right, let me pay attention to the beats on the second listen. Okay, the beats is dope. Okay, let me pay attention to the writing on the third listen. The writing is dope. Okay, let me pay attention to the mixing on the fourth listen. Mm. Okay, the mixing is dope. Okay, let me pay attention to the sequencing of the album with the mixing, with the mastering, and the vocal tone. Oh, this is this is this is beautiful. I love it. And shout out to Wavy Bagels for that because he definitely came through with the home run shot on that. Like, and uh, and he been putting in work for years with that. Shout out to my bro Wavy. He got that new Wavy out right now. But his mixing style, like. It always attracted me, and it was always ill. And I loved what he—I loved what he did with my voice with that, because I kind of just maybe I gave him just like, yo, I wanted to sound like this, and left it alone. I didn't really have to go back and do a lot of. Could you switch this? Could you switch that? Kind of everything he gave me from the lead-in was perfect. Like, well, let's talk about this mix. I mean, when it comes to the mix. Obviously, going back to the reverb, obviously that's, it goes without saying, there's something really critical in your work. What about the mix in terms of something as often as debated as these lyrics and the meaning behind them? Can you talk about the emphasis of, of these sound effects and the background noise over some of these vocals and how that works collaboratively? You said you, you don't really, you don't interfere too much in that process, but how much do you get involved with that process? Because we're talking about something that's essentially its own character. This mix becomes a you know a deeper side of this experience as a character. How are you how are you dealing with that character when you're collaborating with Wavy? Well yeah, with that, it's kinda like what I'm dealing with I've been lucky I've been lucky and privileged enough to always kind of get to deal with Produce uh, engineers who really know my voice and kind of get where I'm going for when I record. So, like I said, I might have to. I'll come in and just yo layer this, put this, put this here, put that here. Hmm. Or sometimes I might, or I might just say what I want it to sound like. So I might, I might go like wavy. I want it to sound like I'm standing in the middle of a um, stadium with cars going around me like in a circle, but. It's, it's in the middle of like a metal field. And he'll literally be like, okay, I kind of get what you're doing. Like, and then from that, it's, it, sometimes it takes a lot of different editing where it's like, I, I might want, like, for example, on something like Adolescence, 
that was a, that that's a great example I can show you because again I don't have no beat that don't have a particular beat per se. So I told him I was like, yo, I want the ad libs to kind of move like drum patterns. So if you notice, like the ad libs on it, like when I'm like, uh, I'm infinity molded, you will hit a molded, chemically chosen, chosen. Uh, and then when it comes in, uh, Thor lined up in a uh, in a hailstorm, fire, fire, fire. Mm. On a so- on a song that would be like a drum pattern. But I wanted kind of like the ad libs to be the drum pad and to kind of push along the narrative of the story. So sometimes I, sometimes I, I might, sometimes I might just come up with wild ideas like that. That I'm just like, yo, I want the ad libs to be underneath everything, but you can only hear them out of one headphone. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. And outside of that, there's a clarity in, in this texture that we're talking about in the way you're using sound and pitch shifting that extends beyond these raps, isn't it? Yeah, nah, definitely. Very definitely, cinematic. Sure. Nah, definitely, for sure. You talked about these sci-fi films that Lone Sword is watching, making this album. What what are you watching whilst you're putting this album together? Uh, or EP, should that- I say. Yeah, yeah, a lot of documentaries, a lot of different uh, 90s, late 80s, like uh, driving horror movie type joints, like uh, Last House on the Left, Maniac, and all of that type stuff. Nice. Like stuff that can kind of just like draw out of it, draw out of emotion. Like even like in the studio, we always keep the TV on mute, but we might turn on some ECW wrestling. Uh, maybe certain anime to kind of just kind of like bring the vibe into the room before the vibe even starts really coming out musically just to have a certain just to have a vibe already there what's going on if you are still listening to this episode and enjoying a podcast why not become a patron of fly fidelity at patreon.com slash fly fidelity becoming a patron means you are directly supporting our show and helping us to create a new episode each and every week it also means that as a thank you for being a super supporter you'll be able to access exclusive content to you including patron updates offers and discounts a monthly secret podcast early access and so much more What is it you think sound can do for a narrative that visuals can't? Oh, that's literally to me my favorite part of an album is kind of just the sound and the the, the sound kind of like you said give it give it its own identity. Right. Like that's why you that's why people engineers certain engineers win awards and certain mixing like to me like it all matters like you're not just gonna ha- ever have an album with just an artist name on it. You're gonna have an artist, the producer, the artwork, the engineer, like the whole team. And so, yeah. yeah, the whole team, like, and that's one big thing. Like, I'll listen to an album and I'll just fall in love with just the the mix and the voice tones. Like this past week, I've been bugging. I was playing it super loud in my DJ car yesterday. I've been bugging over the just the mix and the 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 voice, the voice, the voice transitions on uh, ill communication from the Beastie Boys. Mm. I'm like, yo, 
I'm like, bro, this album is perfect, bro. You hear it like you hear the way Mike D voice sounds like on on, on this joint, like. <laughs> Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Incredible. Hell yeah. We talked about it earlier. Can you talk about the role that New Jersey plays as its own character and backdrop when you're writing? Oh, hell yeah. One of the greatest the greatest place on earth, born and, <laughs> born and raised. Yeah, J- Jersey is definitely its own world to me. Even though we close to New York, to me, like, if you see somebody from Jersey talking, we got our own slang. We got our own way we dress. Even our own type of music. So... Jersey has always been like my main and biggest influence and just getting out thoughts of expression and just different elements. To me, being from Jersey, I always said I could bring different elements and show different people things in the world that they might not see from other spots. Yeah. Kind of like if you hearing somebody from Austin or Philly or Detroit, like and certain elements and stuff that us from Jersey can speak on that other people can't speak on. Cyber City Society out now everywhere. Fat Boy Sharif, Lungs of the Lone Sword, here on Fly Fidelity Podcast. How would you describe your role of sequencing, mixing, and mastering Cyber City Society? Uh, I would say it. Um, I would say it's been the most uh, experimental project I've worked to up to uh, worked on up to date. As far as the the, the mixing uh, aspect of this of the project, um, when you know knowing Sharif, I, I've known Sharif for the past I want to say two three years. I've known Lungs for the past like six years. Um, knowing both of those individuals and just knowing how they approach music, um, you know that it was I would I would say it was definitely like a challenge. You know, as far as um, delivering, you know, uh, uh, a soundscape where both of them are satisfied and they both meet at the middle. So I would say that for the, that the aspect of just like what Sharif is usually and, and knowing hearing his music and knowing what he wants and then knowing lungs and knowing what he wants um, and just combining those two together was definitely a, a, a good challenge. And yes, yeah, like I said, it was been the most project, like the most experimental as far as, 
you know, effects and whatever they asked of me. It's like I, I a lot of push, a lot of a lot of bu- uh, buttons were pushed to the to the extreme <laughs> in a good way. How long did you have to sit with this body of work before you fully understood it? Uh, I want to say I sat with it for a few months. Um, when 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 Sharif presented it, the project to me to to mix both him both him and Lone Sword. Um, I want to say this was like around last year, around the same time. Like I want to I want to say late like late summer, early autumn around last year. Um, and you know they sat you know and they also and they you know they was already doing stuff. They already had stuff set in. Um, in preparation for the project, like they took uh, uh, photography, video shots, um, and so it was easier. It was easier to see it visually because they had like there was a picture of them where Sharif is like shirtless and all red. He has like he's like painted all red, and then Lungs has like a a, a lizard a lizard's face with the hat. So it's in the adolescence video. You'll see um, where like how the, the mask looks, and then he has like a New York Yankees hat on it, and like seeing things like that. And then, um, one, yeah, so hearing the beats, you know, going over the beats that Lungs had made for the project and just knowing that he likes, so um, Lungs is very, uh, for those that don't know, he's very, like, big on, like, historic historic stuff, uh, like, old film stuff. So he, uh, a lot of his music, he has a lot of, like, film kind of stuff, if you hear it. Like, I, and I'm not going to give out, no, like, oh, this is what filming, I'm not going to do that. But, like, he, so... I take that and then knowing Sharif, he likes, his music is very spatial. You know what I mean? He wants mm-hmm. that space in his music so that he could make those statements and, and say the things he says on his records. But he wants to be able to like, it's like wizardry when he, he wants to like, you know, he, what he uses, the, like utilizes, the way he utilizes like effects, such as like reverb, things to like stick out. So I, I was paying attention to those things and I just honed in on those. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I sat with it for a while. Um, and also in the midst, I'm also mixing other stuff in the meantime. So um, I just like, um, you know, just sit, you know, sometimes you jump into something, you don't want to jump into it for too long because, you know, you, you, you tend to you tend to drown out a little bit. So I stepped out from it for a little bit, you know, jump, probably jump into the next project, give my ears a break and jump back, to, especially with this project because of the what was what was asked of me to do uh, for the vocals. So, you know, and just making sure that the right the right effects on the right vocals and just making sure that at the same time, not drowning out the vocals too much when you can't hear what Sharif is saying. Right. I don't you know. That's, that's important. And what's really important is like, you know, um, effects are really cool, but if you're, you're killing the purpose of the, the, the lyrics, if you're drowning out the words and I don't want, I didn't want to, I wanted, it was like a compromise. So you just want to compromise giving the, the, the right amount of vo- uh, effects, but making sure that the words are getting out. So, you know, it was just a, that was, I, I would say that was probably like the biggest challenge within that challenge. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, you know what I mean? I just, you know, it was just a constant of that, of just going back and forth with it until I was satisfied with it on my end. Um, sent the, sent the final mixes out to Sharif and Lungs and they were happy with it and it was a go. Speaking of going back and forth, going back to you talking about the visuals for this album in the form of, like you say, of course, there's Longsword watching these films as he's making these beats. And there's the shot of Fatboy Sharif painted in red, like you say. He's seeing colours making these songs. He's he's seeing colours listening to these beats. What colours are you experiencing when you're mixing these beats? Yeah, so uh, 
with 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 this project in particular, I saw a lot of red. Well, because well, part of it because I, uh, uh you see the picture of Sharif covered all red, so it's like that gives me the that's the boom, the indicator. So um, it told me to start with that color, um, and then even during the process of the project. So while the while the, while the project is being made, Shane, um, I'm I'm just like I'm like going blank on his last name right now, but shouts to Shane. He uh. He did the cover art for Cyber City, right? And before the album, before the cover, you know, for the album was out, you know, got 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 a peek of it, and I was like, oh wow, and it was a lot of red. You know, as you can see mm. now, it's a lot of red, some purple, um, just like dystopian colors. Um, and so I just stayed in onto like the red and purple hue of if 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 you want to look at it like that in that way of colors, I would say it was more a lot of red, purplish kind of vibe. So like you know, the color of blood, you know, very 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 you know. Uh, Similar to like you know in horror films, just like what like like Sharif loves, um, so it was just it was very easy to associate that color with this project, and it because it was like it, it was just kind of given to me, but without even me asking, you know, and it, it was very helpful. Got it, got it. So you're making, in a subtle way, you're you're really making this amazing cinematography yourself on these records, and this sequencing we're talking about is a massive part of it. What was your process approaching these beats and mixing all of these elements inside of them? Yeah, so arrangement was the major, the first thing. So you know, I've made sure I sat down with with Sharifa Lungs just to get the arrangement out first. Um, that way, and I always tell anybody that I work with. Um, you know, try to tell a story with your arrangement of the of your records. You know, what I mean, if you have a project, ten songs, twenty songs, you know, everything, every story has a beginning, middle, and end. You know, what I mean, to have a, um, you know, you could do a pulp fiction style. You know, you could do like uh, how like isn't is not in chronological order. So you might start with the end of the story and it builds all the way up until like a climax, and that's you know, things like that. You could you could break it down into seasons. You could break it down into quarters. You could break it down into colors, shapes. Like right. there's so many ways you can arrange your rec- your, your track list so that you you get your you can, your 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 overall story is a, a full piece and it's not a scramble board. Um, so I felt like they did a good job with the arrangement, um, especially with the adolescence acapella. Um, I felt like it was properly placed, um, and then everything else around it was 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 uh, it was easy. Um, and then shout out to Marley Chapman. Um, he uh he did the 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 she shot and edited uh the adolescence video um and like i felt like that right there um it and it 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 uh defines what the visual aspect of this project is so the arrangement first um and as far as the beats you know, just making sure that, you know, everything is, is, is leveled right. You know, that's the mastering process. You know, make sure everything sounds like it's coming from the same space. Um, and with Lungs in particular, because he likes to, like I say, he's a, he's a lot of vocal shots from, like, old films. Um, and making sure those are those are properly placed in the right areas. Um, yeah, and the same with Sharice's uh, vocals. You know, it's just like, that's what the main aspect of it is, like, arrangement. I just want to just be, like, that that right there is like half the battle. Everything else is just like bells and whistles, you know? They were frightened.
as a third contributor to the project, was there anything that you think they didn't hear that you heard? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, hmm. Anything that I've heard that they didn't hear. Yeah, nobody's asked me that question. That's a real good question. Um, I would say... I would say the actual... Uh, the the tone. So like you know how like movies have a, like good it's like it's like like the cinematography thing uh, uh reference you had. So it's like mm. like the, how movies have a sepia tone, or you know I mean I know they I know they had like an like an idea of what they wanted this project to be about, but they like to know that I don't think they really understood that or like a hundred percent like grasped the idea of like a project. I mean they 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 both know because they're both you know a talented artist. And we all, you know, right. but I felt like the overall packaging of this, like, it's like whatever, like whatever's covering this project up is like, it's like, it has to be like silk or like a nice, like expensive fabric. And like, I was, you know, I made sure that I used the right, you know, tools uh, to make sure to mix and master this project to get that fabric, whatever it is. Um, and I probably, that's probably what I've heard that they didn't, probably realize or they probably didn't realize until they heard it or they probably have um but yeah i felt like that's probably what it thing like that's a good question i probably because i don't really i didn't when i made this project i wasn't really thinking about what i probably heard that they're not hearing because it was pretty straightforward what they both wanted and i was just trying to like just meet them in the middle they were frightened They were frightened. They were frightened. It's one thing to, to, to sit in a studio and sit with artists, to sit with a Sharif or anybody um, and, and actually do the, do the thing and then it gets out. But it's a whole other thing to sit back, you know, from a record that you've been listening to in the studio on and on and on until you got it right. And then you actually sit back from it for a while until it's, while it's actually out and people are reading. You see, you see other people react to what you've been hearing in the studio for on and on and on. And I, I take those as lessons, the feedback. You know what I mean? I don't, I'm not, I don't, I'm not one to let people control how I feel about things, if they have something bad or good to say, I don't let that be the barometer, but I also right. am, I'm, I'm also wise enough to know that, you know, we are all human beings and we all have opinions and sometimes opinions lead to reviews or lead to interviews or lead to, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not stupid. So, um, I appreciate, uh, when people have good things to say or bad things to say, because these are all lessons and the bad I take, the good things, what they say, and whatever, like, say somebody says, oh, you did a good job on this track, because you, whatever the hell, I double down on that. I'm like, cool, next time I'm going to double down on that. If I hear something bad, um, I take it for, in consideration, like, everything, and if whatever it is, I work on it, you know? Um, I'm, I appreciate my strengths, but, well, you know, if anybody could tell me, hey, you got a weakness here, I'm going to work on that. And I appreciate, and I'm going to tell the person, thank you. I'm going to say that's how I, that's how I take, take, uh, uh, approach those challenges as lessons. And with that being said, how do you think Fatboy Sharif and Longsword have been able to magnify your strengths with this project? 
Um, just them being the badasses they are, you know, them just like them being themselves, them, uh, you know, could and like take and, and treating this project, you know, like still pushing it, still, you know, and you know, it's, it's without even even if I wasn't mixing it, they would still be doing that because it's their project, it's their baby, right? Um, but just just them trusting me to mix this in the beginning was all I need, you know, and. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just proud of them. I'm proud of the, I'm proud of them both for just like, you know, just not giving up. You know what I mean? A lot of us artists just don't give up, and there's some artists that do give up. And you know, I just like, it's just the crazy times lately. I just like appreciate anybody that's. It's just easy to give up on anything, and I just really appreciate anybody that's waking up and even what, even on their worst days, like screw all that. I'm sorry, I don't mean to curse, but like. Screw all that, you know, um, and just say, you know, pick up whatever they got to their, their tool, their tool bag or their toolbox and get back to work. So, yeah, um, this project was the epitome of work. You know, what I mean, we 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 did we did something good and, you know, we got we getting love out of it. And I appreciate, you know, being a part of it. I wish I could show my appreciation for this podcast. I wish I could respond to it somehow or be notified in the future when Fly Fidelity updates because it's so great. But I don't think there's a way I can do any of those things. Uh-oh. You're wrong. <laughs> Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud and never miss an episode. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. My people saw you with me where you were.